In the last episode, we shared how Sharon and Steph, who knew each other for more than half their lives, established Talent Tribe back in 2014. We've also met the team based in Singapore, a product manager, Vera. So um, at Talent Tribe, I am both a product manager and a product designer. And a growth marketer, Rezwan. There's this concept called a T-shaped marketer. T being, uh, you know, the letter T, shaped marketer. From where we left off, the founders were sharing with us how much uncertainty there really is. And I think there are a lot, there are countless moments in the journey where in the silence or in, in the quiet moments, there is a seed of doubt. Yeah. Right. So for today's episode of Keyhole, we're going to address the uncertainty of culture. And we will be unlocking the ambiguous nature of what culture really means in the startup talent tribe. To unlock culture, we decided it was best to start from the ground with Vera and Rizwan. What's the toughest part working here in Talent Tribe? I think it's not having a lot of references. So um, because this was my very first product role out of bootcamp, because it wasn't out of school, it was out of bootcamp, my very first product role here, and there wasn't, um, there isn't a big design team. It's just me and our co-founder, Stephanie. So a lot of things that I do and a lot of things that I want to do are things that I've never done before. And so I had to go and figure out how to do it myself. I think for me, that's the, that was the hardest part about being here because there isn't anyone, for example, if I am not sure um, how to design a certain item or how to manage a certain people. There are very limited people who I can ask within the company. So if I was in a larger team, for example, it is easier to watch how other seniors in the team work and to be able to hold them as a standard on, on what I want to achieve or hold them as an end goal for me. Yeah, but here at Talent Tribe, I have to create my own goals and I have to create what I want to be and I have to decide for myself what I want to be, hmm. um, what I want to grow into. What about for you, Rizwan? So the toughest thing is that you as a person, okay, doesn't matter what role you kind of get into, you can think of yourself as uh, having to be an octopus in a sense because you know you can't just be great in one thing or a few things but you got to be able to be good or at least get to a good working proficiency in many things as well so you know myself for example one of the things that I feel I'm strongest in is writing and uh, content in a way but apart from that I also need to know fundamentals about design I also need to know uh, the fundamentals of psychology. Then I also need to, you know, uh, be able to quickly get to a good level of understanding in a social media channel that we want to experiment with. Let's say if we were not on Twitter before and we want to experiment with Twitter now. In a short period of time, I need to quickly get to that working level of proficiency. And I think that's one of the toughest things where if the business requires it, if let's say uh, co-founders or myself or my colleagues, they require it, I need to pick it up fast. Right? So, uh, that's one of the toughest things really where you can never fall into a state where alright this is easy this is great no because out of nowhere suddenly alright we're going to experiment with something new it's time for us to get good at this yeah and then you know a few months later same same pattern and a few months later same pattern 
A lot of what Vera and Rizwan were sharing are the teething issues that most startups face, whereby employees often feel that they have to figure out many things by themselves, because at this stage, few are hired with tons of experience. A startup is also starting something new, a white space, so you wouldn't really have that many people with the experience either way. So what typically helps is a good culture. And company culture often starts from the founders, but more specifically, their family. Like how the founder of Netflix, Mark Randolph, had a handwritten list of instructions where his dad gave him. Part of these instructions became Netflix's culture, like quantify where possible. As a result, they are big on testing and learning with actual real-world data. So in the case of Talent Tribe, we had to wonder the same thing. If family really played a part in Talent Tribe's culture. Here's Sharon speaking. So for myself, like when I was before SMU, I went into SMU knowing that there were only two career paths I was interested in exploring. Um, one of which was entrepreneurship and the other one was consulting. And I think part of why I was also interested in entrepreneurship is parental influence. Um, so my dad is actually a really, really amazing father. So he's really good at what in Chinese we call it a rumuran. So it's like he brainwashes you without realizing you're getting brainwashed. <laughs> Great job, yeah, Uncle. So, so he intentionally got my brother interested in finance. Uh, and my brother eventually went into finance. So I think from uh, pre-SMU days, he would try to influence me and he made me feel that running my own company was a very attractive option. Um, and, and so naturally, when I wanted to go into business, he was very supportive. And my mom was also very supportive. So they're not like your typical Asian parents. And I always remember this. My mom told me that, you know, it's not like I'm retiring. I don't need your money. So why don't you just go ahead and try? Right? And then for my dad, he was definitely very supportive. And he, I, I actually thought a lot about the decision. I told him, you know, why, what if I just go do a job first? And then he said, no, why do you want to do that? It's better to run your own business. And I was like, wow, okay. So I think they give me a lot of courage to try. And I think knowing my mom's character, that was actually really touching for me to hear. Because um, I think she didn't come from a very well-to-do background. Hearing Sharon's relationship with her family and the idea of having a safe environment that allows you to have the courage to try really sounds very close to their company manifesto, which the founders will call the six pillars of culture. We'll go into detail on each of these pillars at the end of the podcast, or rather Sharon Wood. But I wanted to talk about the second pillar, possessing a growth mindset. If you asked Sharon what that meant, it was to have the belief that you can learn whatever it takes to get the job done, rather than to cower in fear that you cannot do so because you don't know how. Sounds to me like Sharon was creating an environment where you can have the courage to try and to be unafraid of the ambiguity, which sounds familiar. And I was like, wow, okay. So I think they give me a lot of courage to try. We'll talk later to Vera and Rizwan if the six pillars translates well to what they actually experience. But now, let's talk to Steph because we've asked her the same question. My mom was the kind where she was just, in primary school, she would just be getting me to aim for like 91 and above. 90 is like, no. So 91 and above, you get a present. 
hundred, if you get hundred marks for that subject, you get an even bigger present. That kind of idea. So <laughs> I always had targets. I mean, like if I have five subjects in primary school, including higher Chinese, then I'll just get like ninety-one above for all of them. And I'll get five presents. <laughs> My primary school was great encouraging us also. So you get first in class, you get like this, or you get to redeem about $20 worth of books. Yeah, if you get second, you get 15 and then whatever. And they made it very, they made a whole thing out of it. So that was the kind of environment I grew up in. A lot of what Steph was mentioning is pillar number five and six of the six pillars of culture. They are to take pride in your work and to go beyond. I'm pretty sure consistently scoring above 90 out of 100 sounds like you've taken a lot of pride in your work. But hey, maybe that's Asia for you. Maybe A just means average. But anyway, if you recall us earlier, we shared that in a startup, the work oftentimes get gritty. And we'll share more about what gritty really means to Talent Tribe in the next episode. But if the work is very gritty, oftentimes the more positive parts about a startup could be the culture. So we asked both Vera and Rizwan a very simple question. Um, Vera, what's the, what's the best part of working in Talent Tribe? If I can just think back to the times that I feel so glad to be here. It's really the times that I get to um, interact with everyone here at Talent Tribe. So back when we were going back to office um, once a week, every time I go back on that day, it, I feel like my energy bar is refilled and I have so, I'm so inspired by everyone around me because um, everyone at Talent Tribe has a like growth mindset. So a lot of things we share with each other when we learn new stuff or when we come across good stuff, we share with each other. We actually have a Telegram chat called Good Stuff where we share things that we find online or maybe a webinar that we see that is that we think might be useful for everyone else, we share in that Telegram chat. And being around everyone at Talent Tribe is very energizing, I would say. So every time I went back to the office, it really did feel like I was where I belonged and um, these are things that are very important to me because without having to, to worry about the people around me, I can really focus on my work. Versus being in a place with a very toxic culture, then you have to worry about a bunch of other stuff on top of your work. But here at Talent Tribe, I think these people really do feel like my friends and sometimes I do feel like I'm just working on a group project. And that's how like flat the hierarchy is. I'm not afraid to voice my opinions. I'm not afraid to ask questions. I'm not afraid to clarify stuff with the people around me and not afraid to, to appear vulnerable or to appear weak or to appear like I do not know what I'm doing. At this point, we told Vera to leave and we went to interview Riz One one-on-one. We thought it's important that he can provide his own honest opinion without any groupthink coming into the mix. So uh, Rizwan, we asked Vera before on what's like the best part about working in Talent Tribe. And we wanted to ask you the same question. Um, honestly, if I, I would have to say the people. So working in Talent Tribe, we, uh, you know, we actively foster this environment of everybody gets to share ideas and no idea is rejected. 
sure, you, you need to think your ideas through, of course. You can't just throw out any uh, random idea here and there. But at the same time, no idea is off the table. You always get to share new ideas. You get to share new ways of doing things. Uh, and you get to have, and I think this is one of the things that I appreciate the most, you get to have open conversations about it. It's unlike some places where you know, conversations turn into shouting matches and disagreements and just constant disagreeing here and there. Here, what I enjoy the most is having those open conversations, having those insightful discussions where everybody gets to uh, share why I think this works, why I, doesn't, why I don't think this will work. You know, and, then we all get to work, and then we all get to come to a conclusion of, okay, I see, I understand where everybody's coming from, and then we get to come to this conclusion. And also, everybody here is just really... Everyone here just really has a great personality in a sense, you know. They are great at what they do, most importantly, but at the same time, uh, they are fun people and they are great to work with. So that's one thing I truly appreciate. So it makes my days better, knowing that while the work itself is going to be tiring, it's going to be stressful, it's going to be challenging, the people don't add to your burdens. Rather, they are there to help you through them, you know. They, they are like, sure, from time to time, they will give you challenges and all, but at the same time, they are there to help you through. They want to see you succeed. Everybody here wants to see each other succeed. And that's one thing that I truly appreciate. So Vera and Rizwan actually shared a lot more about the culture that they love, like how easy it was to talk directly to the founders. What stood out to us though was the fact that they used phrases directly linked to the six pillars, like a growth mindset. At this stage, we had to ask the founders, how did they do it? Was everything choreographed? Was there a seventh pillar that dictates that they were to memorize the six pillars before? What we learned, however, was that this culture wasn't always so put together. And there isn't a seventh pillar. In fact, both Steph and Sharon had a lot of challenging experiences that led to the foundation of these six pillars. Here's Steph sharing about their experience. Okay, I have two stories. So one is in terms of the whole growth mindset thing, right? So before our current product designer and manager joined us, there was actually another product intern that I was working with. You can see that she really has the interest to learn. She's very hardworking, everything, all of that. So how it works, you know, when I interface with all of them is that Based on how much they're able to prove themselves, I'll add more and more to their plate. And I think that's how everyone kind of runs as well, right? But she doesn't go above and beyond to think about the things that are required. And when you look at it, you just be like, wow, there's so many things that is actually not aligned with what we want. And when that happens, you kind of take a step back and like, is this too high for her? Then you move it downwards to, okay, why don't you just do this thing instead? So I think one and a half months later, she was actually just doing simple things like coming out, designing the buttons for our website, etc., in the end, it was not a good fit. Let her go. Next person came in and she managed to prove herself within like, you know, just one week, two weeks. I went in with an average expectation, but she was able to come up with very, very good designs, things that I can see myself using straight away. And she's able to tell us after that, you know, like, oh, I, I also have these other variations that I think are good ideas. Um, why don't we do this? Or if I just look at the product overall, I feel like we don't have a design system yet that ties everything together. Can I do that? And I'll be like, wow, that was exactly what I wanted to do. Great. You know, so with that, right, in just about two weeks, she already surpassed what that person has done for one and a half months. 
And in a startup, you really grow and get as much responsibilities as quickly as you can grow into them, right? As quickly as you can prove yourself. And that was something that we realized is very important. So that culture of excellence, the ability to learn. The other example was on another person that we hired that was supposed to be a very crucial member of the team. And honestly, he has really, really good background stories. He has really, really good domain expertise in what he does as well. One thing that we found that was a culture misfit was really how we looked at our users, employers and job seekers, and getting down to really what exactly do these employers, job seekers need in terms of content or what exactly they are drawn to you know, for our business. And that was a part that he couldn't really nail. I think partially because he didn't really come from a conventional path and he couldn't really resonate with these employers or these job seekers and what exactly they needed. So then that became a source of stress for us for a good two quarters actually because constantly this person whom we really hold in high regard is suggesting great ideas. But at the same time, there's just this small bit in us that can't let these ideas flow because they are not, we know that you know, after working with all these employers and job seekers, this will not take off. We tried to give some of them a try and no, they did not really take off. So even trying to grow that person into that lens, that was really difficult. What we learned is that the six pillars were not born without any basis. In fact, every pillar is linked to a particular experience that they had that led to either a slowdown in the company's progress or one that affects the team morale. Take for example the product manager that Steph talked about, who displayed pillar number five, where she goes beyond. If you haven't realized already, that product manager is Vera. In fact, these six pillars were founded in 2020, a full three years after establishing Talent Tribe, which meant that she had spent a lot of time and experiences to finally distill their culture into six simple pillars. And they are begin with a beginner's mind, possess a growth mindset, focus on what moves the needle, take pride in your work, go beyond, and lastly, caring deeply for our users. As we were leaving, we asked Sharon why it was important to spend so much time to think about this, a full three years. Why not just take a mishmash of whatever the best companies offer as their culture, which sounds easier and possibly equally great to us? Sharon left us with this one-liner. Because Talent Tribe is to showcase to other people what company cultures are like. You see, they had to spend more time because they were in the business of telling insider stories, including other companies' culture. And if they couldn't figure out a culture that their clients could respect or even emulate, how can they then be successful in principle? And that required them to spend time, to spend disproportionate amount of time. For those who are interested, Sharon gives us a five-minute breakdown of each of these pillars, which will be at the very end of this episode. Otherwise, in the next episode of the Keyhole Into Talent Tribe, we're going to find out what do they actually do there. Not just what the job description entails, but the grittiest part of it. Here's a teaser of what to expect. There was one evening that I was tasked to look through 
um, job seeker data to get some insights on um, how our users are doing, how they how our users are um, benefiting from our site, whether we can do anything better for them. So in uni or in any time before that, I had no training whatsoever in looking at data and picking out insights from data. So I really was just staring at my computer screen. I was staring at a spreadsheet and not knowing what to do and how to do what I wasn't sure what to do. So I really was in a pit of darkness and I really wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing and what I had to do. And even when I actually figured out what I should be doing, I didn't know how to do it because I had no experience with like using Excel or Google spreadsheets and very um, like hard skills like this. And I remember working late into the night to try and figure it out even though I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. So there are six culture pillars that we've distilled it down to. So the first one is start with a beginner's mind. And this is really because sometimes experienced hires come in with a lot of best practices, which is great. But sometimes they come in with certain preconceived notions that actually prevent them from learning or to understand the context that we are in. And so if they are able to drop what they think they know and really see things from the company's lens and what we need, and then bring in what they know after that, that would actually uh, work beautifully for us. The second one is a growth mindset. So we're really big on this. And I think it stems from Steph and I starting a startup, perhaps fresh from school. There were a lot of things that we ourselves do not know how to do. And we had to learn everything ourselves. So when our team comes across problems or work that they've never done before, the expectation is that their mindset is I can learn whatever it takes to get the job done rather than, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do this because I don't know how to do it. And that would keep them in a very limited frame of mind. And it makes it such that the onus is on us rather than on them to level up their skill sets. Uh, the third one is focus on what moves the needle. I think this is a very startup jargon that you hear yeah. a lot. <laughs> um, and I think it's really because in a startup, you have so little resources and you have so many things that need to get done or is seemingly important that it's very critical to be able to identify what actually makes a difference on a larger picture. The common trap, I feel, that even for us, sometimes we get stuck in and we see some of our team members get stuck in is that there are a lot of busy work that seems important, but it's a trap. It's actually not as important as it looks. And we need to be able to distinguish the two on what really moves the needle. The fourth one is a culture of excellence. And what we mean by that is take part in your work. Don't make careless mistakes and don't make the same mistakes more than once. So if we identify a certain area that you should be working on and improving. Uh, we shouldn't be having to point that out again and again because in a small team, again, you take responsibility to pull your own weight. And if you need someone cleaning after you all the time, it would really take a drain on everyone and it would already dwindle the very limited resources that's already available. The fifth one is deliver and go beyond. So if we think about it like a ball game, the ideal situation is if I throw you a ball, you know how to catch it and you know what to do with the ball next. So there is the level of trust that I don't have to micromanage you. 
you already know what is best for the company, you know, what's, what you should be doing. You don't just do your, your daily work. So I would say that an employee who meets expectations or, or is decent would be if you tell the person to do task ABC, they will get ABC done. Uh, an outstanding employee would come back to you and say, you know, I've done ABC and I think C, we should do it in a different way. And, and so I've done it in a different way that's better because of whatever reason. And I think that next we should do DEF. Or, you know, if we do C this way now, we're going to face a problem down the road because there's going to be an issue at step F, right? So they think beyond and not just follow instructions blindly. And the final one is caring deeply for our users. So our users refer to employers and job seekers and being able to have a good understanding about what their problems are, what keeps them up at night, what kind of solutions will work for them. And I think for most people that join us, the job seeker side of the marketplace should be pretty straightforward because everybody has been a job seeker. Um, and we understand, you know, this takes some time to ramp up to understand what employers really need as well. And I think for us actually, because we ourselves are employers and our team members do get the opportunity to also hire their own teams or hire interns, um, they also start to learn and pick up the lens of what it's like to be an employer. Yeah, so those are the six culture pillars. <laughs>